views expressed on the Health on a Win podcast is not a substitute for the medical advice of your licensed physician, nurse practitioner, or any other health professional whose care you are under. Consult with your healthcare professional about any matters relating to your health and health needs, and before beginning any new health program or implementing any health information discussed on this podcast or on whatismyhealth.com. Do you find that it's easier to communicate using your art than it is to sometimes say things, like either verbally or like writing it down? Like, do you use art to communicate or? I think so. You do? Yeah. I was a very quiet child, so yeah. I drew a lot. Okay. And now that I'm an adult, at least, I'd say at least three times a year I lose my voice, whether it's from a cold or, and you can ask David, it's probably the most frustrating couple of weeks of his life because <laughs> he has to watch me try to mime things, but I end up sketching because he, he knows how I speak in my sketches. He gets it immediately. So you, when you lose your voice, rather than writing down words, you actually draw sketches? I'll draw a sketch. Or, you know, I've, since I work with children, too, I have taught him some sign language. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I'll draw. Huh. Sometimes I'll draw just to, you know, that's really, him, but. That's really cool. I don't, I don't know, I don't think I know anybody who really does that. If I, like, I don't even know if it would, it would have occurred to me to... Like if I got laryngitis tomorrow, I would pro- I'd probably text like I'd probably text people <laughs> like even if they were in the same room, oh, I'd either yeah. text it or just write it on paper. That really never occurred to me to text. Do you find that? Well, I feel like I don't know. How are you with your phone? Like, do you compared to to compared to David? Everybody is like the most tech savvy person, <laughs> but like I feel like you're not like whenever we hang out with you guys, like you're also not really on your phone like a lot of people might be like. Do you find that you're not that connected with technology? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like in my house, we, you know, we grew up without air conditioning. and uh, We live in a house that's very old. It was built in 1920, I think. Um, so you can't outfit it with AC because it just won't go in the windows. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, my parents weren't strict, but there was a no tech policy at the table. Okay. So... And we didn't have cell phones when I was in middle school. I think I had a cell phone when I was in 10th grade, maybe. Okay. So it just, I didn't grow up with it. I feel comfortable with it not being in my hand. You know, I don't, of course, I need it to get places, but yeah. once I'm there, like, I, I don't even know where my phone is right now. <laughs> my phone is in my pocket right now, and I have no reason to have my phone in my pocket because we're doing the podcast, and I don't, I'm not <laughs> taking calls right now. But it's interesting because, I mean, I... I didn't have a cell phone until probably 10th or 11th. I think when I started driving is when I got a, my parents let me get a cell phone because they're like, well, if there's an emergency and you're on the road, you need to be able to contact somebody. I was like, okay. They tried to institute no phones at the table. I mean, now I I catch myself. I try not to text while I'm eating at the table, especially with people. But like, even in conversation, I'll be talking to somebody about something and They'll bring up something that I want to learn more about or refer to. So I'll pull out my phone and pull it up and then I'll say, oh, this is what you're talking about. And it barely even registers that I'm doing that. But like when I sit and think about it, I use my phone more than I want to use my phone. And for you or for or David especially, it's frustrating trying to get through to David. <laughs> because like if I actually need to like ask him something, it'll be days before. Like I don't even know if he sees that I called. It's it's a complete mystery. He um, he will use his phone for work, but once work is out, yeah, he doesn't know where his phone is. Yeah, 
And I know a lot of people would say the same thing. Like, a lot of people go into a panic if they're not within five feet of their phone. So, like, to not have an issue being disconnected from technology, I personally want to be more like that, but I know that would give me anxiety. Have and you it's, tried it? Like, putting it aside I have, for a yeah. I have. And, like, I usually get over it, and I'm usually glad that I do it, but getting myself to the point where I actually say, okay, I'm going to put this down. And I'm going to go somewhere far away from it. Like, I never leave the house without it. And now having a kid, I guess, my my thought process is if something ever happened and they needed to get in touch with me and I wasn't available, I would feel terrible that I wasn't able to help. Yeah. You know I mean, in, I think definitely you as a father. Now right. it's it's a necessity. Right, but, but if, okay, so... I think that we think it's a necessity or we've come to think because it's so normal now in, in society. Like everybody has a phone. Almost everybody has a phone. My dad still doesn't have a phone. He never will. And even he is starting to think about coming around. But I mean, if you think about 30 years ago, nobody had cell phones. And I mean, I'm sure things happened, but for the most part, like people survived without cell phones. When I think of a necessity, I'm thinking like something that you can't do without. It's interesting to say that it's a necessity, but really we could do without our phones if we had to. Yeah. But I don't, and I feel like a lot of people don't feel like they can because there's such a strong attachment to it now. Yeah. You do see a lot of people, I mean, even crossing streets with their cell phones open or when you go to events or art shows or everyone has their phone out and it's, you know, you're kind of missing out, I think on the experience or, if you're stopping to take a photo, I mean, I get that because me and David have like no photos yeah. together. So I kind of wish we did have more, but, right. um, you know, I remember all those times. Like I remember when we booked a hotel and, uh, we thought we were going to get a, a nice romantic room and we walk into a room and it had two bunk beds. <laughs> and it was kind of like, I have no pictures from it, but I'll never forget yeah, You know, our faces walking into this room with, <laughs> like, twin bed bunk beds. I'm just thinking, like, oh, this is going to be our night. Yeah. <laughs> Crouched on a bunk bed together. Yeah. <laughs> you brought up when you go to an event or, like, an art show. And I, the first thing that came to my mind is a museum, an art gallery. I know not every art gallery. You can't always take pictures at art galleries, but some, they don't care. Yeah, sometimes they'll show you away. Yeah. But when I go to a museum or a gallery where photos are allowed, I feel like I have to look at everything and I feel like I have to take a picture of everything. I'm pretty sure my family went to, we went to Atlanta. It was probably 10 or 11 years ago now. And we went to the, they have an Olympics museum down there and we were there the whole day. And I think I have a picture of, everything in that museum (laughs) once i started taking the pictures i was like well i didn't miss that over there so i can't miss this over here and it just kind of became this self-perpetuating thing where i was like well if i got everything so far i have to i have to get everything now and i could have just stopped taking pictures but i didn't and i remember the museum but I, i and you're not the first person to say like you know not taking pictures of something like you remember exactly the experience that you had And I remember hearing, I don't know if it was a study that was done. I forget exactly the context, but that when you take a, when you take a picture of something rather than just experiencing it without trying to document it, the memory 
that you make isn't as strong. Because you're saving it. Yeah. So you don't have to remember it anymore. Yeah. Which, when I heard that, I remember, th- I, I felt like that was kind of a scary thing. Maybe scary is not the best word, but it was like an eerie feeling that I got hearing that because I always felt like I had a really good memory. And I still, for the most part, have a good memory, but I feel like my memory has gotten worse. And I wonder sometimes, is it because I take pictures of stuff that I do? I don't know. I mean, it makes sense. Some people yeah. used to be afraid of cameras and afraid of people taking pictures because it would, they thought that it would take their soul and yeah. preserve it in the picture. Oh, you mean like, yeah, like culturally. Yeah. Yeah. They, would, they were afraid that their soul would be caught in the camera. And it's, you know, it's funny that we still have some sort of fear associated with or eeriness associated with something like a camera. Yeah. For me, the, the feeling of eeriness is more this idea that I'm not... I'm almost having like an out-of-body experience in my own everyday experiences, watching myself live my life, sort of. That's not exactly the feeling I got, but it just felt something like that, where I'm shortchanging myself of my own memories and my own experiences. And when I think back to them, I'm going to have to look at pictures to remember what I did. Yeah. The idea that if there were a massive power outage, that I wouldn't have access to that. I think that's what's scary to me, is that all these things that I wanted to preserve could be gone digitally yeah and yeah and i spent all this time documenting it to save it to refer back to it later but if i didn't make that memory i might i worry basically that like i'm not going to be able to remember things that i want to be able to remember years from now I, I don't take as many pictures as a lot of people i'm not terribly active on instagram or anything like that but like i'll, I'll still go to a game and i'll get a picture of the scoreboard the final score and a couple things throughout the game Especially if I go to a new stadium, but I don't want to not remember stuff, but I feel like it's hard to detach for me and for a lot of people. It's hard to detach from the phone. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, the human body is a machine and and health wise, we have to feed that body and take care of that body. And, you know, the things like the memory will deteriorate over time, but it's, you enjoy life as you have it. Yeah, I, I guess it is. Your body is kind of like a machine. It's interesting that you put it that way because I've heard that analogy before, and I never, I don't, I don't know that I ever fully, really sat and thought about what that meant. But we do need to. If we don't take care of it, it does break down. Yeah. And with the whole memory thing, if you don't demand that your body remember stuff, then it doesn't have the need to remember stuff. Yeah, I think you have to actively pursue it. Yeah. You ever do like the play any of those brain games or anything like that? The different puzzle games and stuff. Do you do any of that stuff? It's or? funny that you say I didn't. And oh, one of the women I work for, you know, on the side, she told me to download this game, and now my whole family makes fun of me for it because I'm glued to the iPad at night, which is something that I never was. Normally at night, I write. I write to kind of take a break from the art or. You know, if I was working with kids all day, I'll, I'll write stories. Okay. And that's how I started writing the children's book. And I write some, like, more lending towards adults, but it was just a way for me to just kind of step out of what I normally do, and it would help me reduce stress and just dive into a world that wasn't as stressful as mine. Mm-hmm. Um, or because it was happening to someone else, not me. Right. <laughs> in the story, so... But she turned me on to this game, and 
it's called Seeker's Notes, and they drop you in maybe the 1800s or something, and you're a character, and you're helping to save this town from whatever's happening. And you have, like, you know, your avatar, and the games are so, um, so lifelike now. Mm-hmm. But there's little games within the game. So one of them is kind of like a Candy Crush type with little gems that you have to link up. And then the other parts are this beautiful painting and you have to find objects. So they either tell you the object that you have to find or show you a silhouette. And sometimes the screen will, it would be kind of like you're holding a flashlight and you're searching the room for this, these things. And I don't know why I'm so obsessed with this lately, but it does help me kind of, I don't know if it's stress relief or just kind of like it's a breath of fresh air. I mean, looking for these silly little objects and, you know, you spend hours looking for, you know, a a camera. And Mm -hmm. the game, it's funny because the objects look how they would have back then. Some of the objects, it'll say it, and I have no idea what I'm looking for. Okay. I'm just clicking on everything because I have no idea what this thing is. But it's just... I love it. It's kind of like the end of my night. I play this like silly little <laughs> game. Yeah. I find that if I can't fall asleep, I'll play um, 1010. Have you ever played 1010? No. It's kind of like Tetris. It's like a grid, and there's different blocks of different shapes. They're like different shapes and sizes, and you have to fit them in. And if you get like a straight, a, a complete row, it'll disappear. And if you get a complete column, it'll disappear. And so... The game ends when you can't put your piece on the board because you block yourself off. But you can clear out space as you fill in an entire row. And if there's a point where the column and a row will intersect, and then you fill in that piece, like the column and row, it's kind of cool. It's one of those like really soothing things when you get a whole bunch of rows to clear at once. But I'll play that a lot, and it's just... I don't know if it's soothing because my mind will be racing about so many other things... Like I was saying before, with like all the chaotic colors, um, I don't know if it's that because I have to focus on where does this piece go, where is it going to fit so that I can clear out the rows. It's kind of nice to worry about a block. Yeah. Other than all the other things that are piling on you. Yeah. I don't, it's, it's at least a distraction, which I don't know if that's the best thing. I don't feel as stressed or, or my mind doesn't race the way it normally will when I'm playing that. And to be fair, like I probably, I've been up till two, three in the morning sometimes just because I'm that wired playing this game. Like I'll play for hours sometimes and I'm like, I really got to go to bed. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You always, you are always awake. Yeah. Well now it's my ability to stay awake late has changed a whole lot. (laughs) One, just apparently this is what happens when you hit your thirties. Yeah. And now having a child, sleep is such a valuable commodity. Like, And I, I'm a heavy sleeper, too. I feel bad when the baby's crying. And I, I sleep through it. And then in the morning, I'm not well-rested, but more rested. And I'll just walk out. I'm like, I'm sorry. But yeah, like my, I'll walk out, and my wife will be, like, clearly very tired, and I feel terrible. There are times, though, I feel like you could light me on fire, and I'd sleep through it. That's a gift. Yes and no. If there if there were a real emergency, and I, I would like to think that if it was a real emergency, I would wake up. There are times where, there were a couple times over the last few months, the baby sleeping in our room, my wife will be with him next to me 
on the bed with him just going wild screaming. Like there was one night in particular, she's like, yeah, he was up for like an hour and a half, just screaming. She's like, you didn't move. One, I feel like a jerk <laughs> for not helping you. And why didn't you try to wake me up? Like if, if that, and she's like, I thought you would just wake up because you had a screaming child next to your head. I was like, wow, I, I'm, I apologize like over and over again. I was like, I'm so sorry. I was really tired. You know, but then I was like, well, if something happened to him in the middle of the night, like I needed to respond to his screaming, that would be terrible. So it is good, I guess, that I'm able to sleep through some stuff. Yeah, I hope you would wake up for a fire alarm. Or, or a screaming infant. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. There was one time in high school, my neighbors across the street, they had just moved in to the house. And the property had a lot of trees when they bought it. And they cut a bunch of the trees down just one summer morning and they were, they were cutting the trees for like three, three hours. So you had the saws, the chainsaws going and I, I had the windows open cause it was nice out and stuff. So I was sleeping with the windows open and my room was at the front of the house. I was the closest one in the house to the noise of them cutting down the trees from seven to 10 in the morning. They were chopping down trees. I woke up, I slept in that day cause it was you know, high school and uh, it was summer. <laughs> so I was, I, you know, and I was 15 years old and had no real responsibility that day. And uh, I looked out the window and walked out of my room. I was like, what happened to the trees? And my mom was like, are you serious? <laughs> they were cutting down the trees for three hours this morning outside of your window. You didn't hear it? I was like, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I heard it. I just didn't process that they were cutting down the trees. I just went back to sleep. And she's like, "You? what do you mean you fell back asleep? How did you sleep through that? I was like, I don't know. I, I could just, I sleep through anything. <laughs> yeah. I have a hard time falling asleep though. But when I, when I, once I fall asleep, I'm usually like, very hard to wake up, which is good and bad. But are you also like a night owl? Am I remembering wrong? Or are you, do you fall asleep early? <laughs> I mean, I'm not a good sleeper. No. So I'm up Maybe early that's... and mm -hmm. I go to bed late. Okay. But the other week I was sleeping, I was working with kids and I had, one of them sleeping on me mm -hmm. and I fell asleep for a couple minutes and I woke up because I heard this noise and it was a mouse. What? I woke up, I heard a mouse like squeaking and it wasn't even in the same room as us. Yeah, I'm not a good sleeper. Really? I could never sleep through the things that you, you sleep through. Do you find that, does that take a toll on you? Do you find that it's hard for you to have the energy to get through the day because of that or do you not need a lot of sleep to function? I definitely need coffee. Okay. I can't function without coffee. For real though, have you gone a day without coffee? What is a day without coffee like for you? I'm very grumpy. It's kind of like a hangry kind of type feeling. Okay, that I can relate to. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I don't drink coffee at all. Oh yeah, no, your body starts to crave it. It's, yeah. I, like I, I wake up and normally the creativity is the best in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, but I can't. Until I have a cup of coffee, I really can't. And a lot of the times, I'm very specific about my coffee. Usually that entails me getting in my car and driving to go get coffee. So so you, if you had planned to like do something creative, like paint or, or draw or whatever it is, like you, you have to have coffee before you'll sit yeah. down and do it, really? Yeah, and it's not just stumbling downstairs for me. If huh. I'm in a, a specific mood, I'll have to go out and drive to get coffee. Yeah, I'm not a Keurig. Girl. No, no. I, it's hard for me to relate to that specifically because, like I said, I, I never drank a cup of coffee in my life. I've tasted it 
having to go out of the house would deter me. <laughs> Not to say that, I, I mean, I've gone out, there's there's been a couple times where I've gone out to get food at a ridiculous hour. I'm like, I probably should just stay home and go to sleep. It's it's kind of like that. Yeah. It's kind of like not having breakfast and getting to that point where you need to eat because you're starting to, people are starting to notice that you're going a little nuts. When do you, like, when do you feel, if you're, if you don't sleep well, how do you find ways to, like, feel, besides coffee, like, how do you find ways to feel your best? Yeah, I kind of know what you're saying. Like, my cousins and my sister can come home and nap at any time in the day, and I can't, if the sun's up, or if it's daytime, I can't nap. Not even when I'm sick. Like, I can't. Really? Yeah, I I won't fall asleep. I'll lie there, um, and I do get migraines, so everyone tells me, oh, just take a nap, and when you wake up, it'll be gone. That's not an option. Really? Yeah, I can't fall asleep. So, yeah, I do, I feel like stretching my body kind of helps me wake up a little bit more. Um, My family is very health conscious, so I feel like there's always a type of food that can help naturally. So they're very big on that. Like my, the medicine cabinet is filled with like holy basil to help with stress or... Um, like I use Vicks Vapor Rub to help with headaches or migraines and these weird enzyme pills or just, you know, the newest thing that they're trying out. So I definitely feel like if I'm tired, I'll eat something fresh and that usually helps to revive me a little bit. Are you then like not at all a medicine person? Like if you're sick, will you seek out these natural remedies for things before? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think because I have a genetic condition that I have to be on medication for, I think that kind of makes me second-guess taking medication where I could try another route. Okay. So I think that definitely played a part in it. Okay. So if I have a migraine, I will try... Something else first. Fix or, yeah, like the mustard seed foot bath. It's like, I'll definitely try all that. For a migraine? Yeah, supposedly it helps pull the blood from your head down to your feet. Like, and it helps relieve the pain. My grandpa used to do it. And you, have you done it? Have you tried it too? Like, does, does it, do you find that works for you? It does work. I think really? um, not as well. I feel like the Vicks, because it has the eucalyptus oil in it. Okay. Um, it kind of distracts your mind from the pain. So it's not like the pain goes anywhere, but you kind of forget that it's there. What effect does the eucalyptus oil have? It's, I think it's a smell. Oh, it's a okay. strong smell that I just, I put it right underneath my nose and on my temples and it kind of just, it just helps. And I've told my doctors this and they laugh, but it, it works. My family was kind of the same way. Like we'll take medication if we're prescribed medication, but especially on my dad's side, my, my grandparents were very much holistic, natural. I remember they used to listen to this radio show. There was one person in particular that they would listen to. I think his name was Gary Knoll. My grandparents would talk about Gary Knoll and his like natural remedies for different things. And my grandparents were very much about. I can't even come up with a specific example, but it wasn't. It was not. It was never medication first. My mom, her side of the family wasn't that way, and I'm wondering if she got it from my dad's side of the family, or if she was also that way, and I just didn't really know. But anyway, my my dad's parents were very much into the natural vitamins and all, all kinds of vitamins. My dad to this day still takes like a ton of vitamins every day. And my mom, my mom also takes like a ton of supplements, vitamins, not medicines, oils and magnesium and calcium and all this stuff. 
and they they tried to i mean when i was a kid i i had vitamins that i would take every day like my daily b complex and and calcium and i have vitamins the cabinet's still here i just don't i don't have a regular routine with them anymore and yeah, I, I think i mean you eat pretty healthy i well i try i also have terrible impulse control. <laughs> well, I think living in the States is very hard. Because yeah. there's impulses everywhere. That's true. I mean, I had Wendy's last night. Yeah. Wendy's at like 11.30. I shared it with my dog. I don't know if that helps, but I still... Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I mean, you're right. It is, especially like in the... Like, we live in a suburban area. We're not terribly far from New York City. If you wanted to, you could find food anywhere at just about any time. It's so accessible. And it, I think it's... I don't know if I want to say it's a problem, but it's definitely... It concerns me that it's that available sometimes. Especially as somebody who doesn't have good impulse control with my food cravings. Like, I could, and I have. I try not to, but there have been times where I'll, I'll get in the car at 11 o'clock at night and I'll go get I haven't done it in a long time but it's not I've done it before or like my buddy actually the same buddy of mine who uh, had the dogs and was like you're, you're gonna get used to dogs <laughs> after we got our driver's licenses or after I got my, my car uh, he would call me up and he's like let's go drive around which was another way I used to relieve stress and then the cost of gas went up and I stopped doing that but I used to drive around and he used to call me especially in college over breaks and stuff when you know we could be out till all hours we'd be driving around and be like you want to hit taco bell up at like two in the morning i'm like yeah let's go to taco bell because i can't say no to food <laughs> uh and i was like this this shouldn't even be and I, why i don't need a taco at 2 30 in the morning what what am i doing i should be in bed yet i'm okay so i'm driving around that that's its own thing but now I'm also getting food because I'm out and I'm with somebody who said tacos and we pass a Taco Bell. <laughs> so it's, it's really easy to just eat. Continue on to hear part four of this episode.